Hey guys, we're back. It's Brooke and Alyssa. Both dietitians, not related. Both Millers. <laughs> Both from the Midwest. Uh, not related. Did I ever say that? Yeah, I already yep. said that. Yep. Uh, this is the Diet Ride Podcast. about you about a topic that most people don't know about like anything yeah people don't know anything about it unless your kid or somebody you know has gone through it um so we're gonna talk about tube feeding so as you may know because if you're like a devout listener of this podcast brooke and i both work together at a company that does home tube feeding um so patients that are at home on tube feedings and i don't know about you but when i meet people and tell them what i do (laughs) They have no idea. Their faces just go blank. Like, literally, they're just like, oh, okay, great. Do you like it? It's so funny to watch. Because people will find out, oh, you're a dietitian. Yes. Oh, so what should I be eating? What is my diet? (laughs) What do you think of a paleo diet? Yeah, what do you think of this? And it's like, we don't do this at all. Yes. This is not what we do. And now I can be like, listen to my podcast. (laughs) Yeah, actually, while I was in labor, (laughs) they were talking about keto and intermittent fasting. And while I was in labor, I was like, hey, check out my podcast. This is what it is. So, hey, if you nurses that listen awesome. to this, thank you. But I was laboring. Jesse was nurses. like, dude, you are plugging your podcast in labor. And Never I was like, stop yes. selling. <laughs> Brooke's pushing us even when she's pushing out a baby. That's yep. fantastic. That's hilarious. Um, but it is funny because people have no idea. None. Unless they get, if their kid has. If you have tradition. experience, yeah. And if you have experience with it firsthand, you may know as much as us, if not maybe more. Like, <laughs> it's really intense. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so tube feeding. So, what, what is it? What are, what is it tube feeding? Okay. So I'll talk Can about I the tell you what my what? husband thinks it is. Oh yeah, what? <laughs> okay, so I've had this job now for almost five years or four, whatever, four and a half, and uh, four. I don't, who cares? I'm over three. Enough so. years. Yeah. So I'm like one more than Brooke. Yeah, you're and four I think years. I started in April, so I think I'm only four. Whatever. And it's not. Josh and I talk about my work, but like, a there's HIPAA restrictions. B like it's not super interesting, you know, so I don't talk about it a ton. But last night it was cute because I I had put on our Instagram, which I actually should check if anyone had any questions about these topics so that we could cover them. And he goes, uh, I have a question. <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, what is it? And he's like, Well, what is it? Because I think I know what it is, but actually I may not know at all. <laughs> and it was so cute him describing it. And he's like, I think that you know you have a hole in your stomach. And someone puts a tube in there, and then, you know, it, it's like, he called it, he goes, and then you fill up what I imagine looks like a paintball cartridge with formula. <laughs> and then it just, you know, there's some sort of machine that, like, spins it around and pushes it into your stomach. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're so cute. <laughs> That's amazing. A paintball cartridge is That's... what he compared it to. Well, Jesse has no idea. Which is pretty funny. And yeah. then when Ashton was in the oh, hospital oh, in the NICU, yeah. he had an NG tube. Yep. An NG tube is a nasogastric tube, so it goes through your nose. It's a very thin, small tube. It goes through your nose and into your stomach. So yep. nasogastric. Yeah. Nose, stomach. And when Jesse walked into the NICU and saw the NG tube in his nose, he's like, what is that? And I was like, that's an NG tube. This is what I do for a job. And uh-huh. he was like, what? Like, he had no idea. Yeah, you know, it's right. just... And I weren't, like, it's just so funny. But, um... So, yeah, there's different types of tube. There's an NG tube that goes from your nose into your stomach. There's a G tube, which is a gastric tube. 
it goes um, through your skin directly into your stomach. And then there's a GJ tube, which is a gastric jejunal uh, tube. So it's kind of confusing because it's like partly in your stomach and partly in your small intestine. And then there's a J tube, which just goes directly into your jejunum, which is your small intestine. Yeah. So basically... Most people have a G tube. Yeah. If it's long term. Yeah. Or people will have an NG tube if it's very short term. Yeah. Like less than 12 weeks. People have it going to their nose. And it's like the tiniest little, I mean, you've probably seen it a lot of times like in cancer patients or tiny little babies if they can't swallow by mouth or they can't eat enough to keep their weight up, they place some of these tubes. And so we deal with the formula that goes through those tubes to feed you. So it's basically a device to just bypass the swallowing mechanism or the swallowing mechanism and your stomach to get you nutrition. So for someone who has like most of our patients are head neck cancer and they go through radiation or chemotherapy, which um, damages their swallowing mechanism, so they can no longer swallow. They've got too many sores on their tongues or in their mouth. Tongues, in their tongues. tongues. Tongue. One tongue. Most people have one tongue. Yeah. If in you have tongue. multiple tongues, please contact your doctor. Um, and they're not able to swallow, or it hurts too much to like even have saliva in their mouth. They'll place a tube that literally just bypasses it. So like Brooke said, it can either go, it's like this tiny little thing that goes into your nose. And this is interesting because I went to an ear, nose, throat doctor and he had to look down my throat and I have never had an NJ tube or NJ yeah. tube placed, but he basically, it's the same mechanism. You put it through your nose and I always pictured it going like up pretty high up and then back down the back of your throat and into your stomach. And he literally didn't even go up my nose very far. It's like maybe a quarter of an inch and then straight back through like through your soft palate, basically, of your the back of your throat, um, a tube will actually come down through there. So it's uncomfortable to place. It's uncomfortable to have um, unless you're used to it. And it can make you cough, gag, feel like really, you. it's like sore. It can cause like necrosis of the nose, which is like breaking down of the skin. Um, so that's why they don't have it for very long term. And then, or they can place a stoma directly into your stomach. And a stoma is just another word for an opening. So my husband was right. It's just mm-hmm. a hole that goes a hole, directly yeah. into your stomach. And at first, the surgery, like, it's bloody and puffy and red. And then eventually it will heal. And I always tell my patients, eventually it'll be similar to an ear piercing. Like, mm-hmm. it'll heal up so that it's literally just this hole to the outside world. So you have to be careful, you know, keeping it from getting infected. But it will eventually heal up to literally just be a hole that has a tube placed in there permanently to keep that tube from getting a ton of bacteria or whatever directly into your stomach. And then the tubing itself can either go, like Brooke said, into your stomach or into your stomach and then threaded all the way down into your jejunum, which is part of your small intestine. So if you have issues even in just your stomach, so people with like um, gastroparesis is a really good example which means that food can't pass through your stomach very well. So it just sits in your stomach for hours and hours and hours and you feel really full and you can't eat enough to gain weight because it's not moving all the way down. Or stomach cancer is another yeah, or one. stomach cancer. Um, they'll actually thread the tubing all the way down into your jejunum and feed directly into your small intestine. So you're skipping your mouth, your throat, your esophagus, your stomach. Your stomach. You're skipping all those places and feeding the formula directly into your small intestine. So it's an interesting, um, it's like a really nice thing because for people that can't swallow or can't tolerate foods, it's really nice because you're able to bypass everything you can't use and still get the nutrition you need. 
without having to go on IV nutrition, which mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, when I tell them I do tube feeding, I think they think of IV nutrition. Right. And which that, so that's called TPN, total mm-hmm. parenteral nutrition. What we do is tube feeding. It's called enteral nutrition. Yep. So it's called EN or tube feeding. Um, but yeah, TPN is where it's like an IV, essentially, like a pick line. And yep. then it's like a clear liquid solution yeah yeah it looks it's like what so looks like saline almost yeah it does. looks like a bag totally. of saline and then the fat is like yellowy <laughs> yeah it's kind of but weird looking yeah yeah basically iv nutrition is taking all the digestion work off of you so if you need to be on bowel rest like nothing can hit your bowels or your stomach or anything like that if you need to be on bowel rest you'll go on tpn and that's basically doing all the digestion work for you and the things that when we eat the people the people who can eat and digest food once it goes into your bloodstream that's what they're giving as tpn it goes directly into your bloodstream so so if your gut works you use it you go on tube feeding yep if you cannot tolerate tube feeding and oral nutrition that's when you go to tpn which is it's more severe it's more severe it's more risky there's a lot more risks that go into it and then it's super dangerous to confuse the two in a hospital right so this is like where a lot of deaths have happened which is why they're changing a lot of the regulations for the tubing size to make sure they don't fit each other. Because if you put tube feeding formula that's supposed to go into your gut, into your blood, you'll die. Like there's no, so just that little fun tidbit. Yeah. So when we were talking about in the other episodes, like our risk or like the risk that we have take on as dietitians, that's one of the biggest risks of like tube feeding and TPN is you better know which port you're putting that into. Exactly. (laughs) And nurses are usually in the hospital, the ones hooking it up are the ones physically doing it. Yep. So, yeah, the, the dietitians in the hospital, they are determining like the amount of tube feeding, yep. but they're not actually administering it. You're right. The yeah. nurses are. Typically, although some of my like tiny little Kansas hospitals are because nurses like don't feel comfortable doing it and dietitians are like, really? yeah, I can hold a syringe. <laughs> like, I mean, once it sounds, I think tube feeding, like directly feeding a formula. And when we say formula, it's usually like a milk based. It kind of looks like a protein shake. Like Insure. Yes, like Insure. Picture Insure. Yep. They're all very similar to that consistency that you're literally just directly putting into someone's stomach or small intestine, whether through like the nasogastric tube or directly in through the stomacite with the tube. Oh, that's my dog. Um, So I think that explains it pretty well of what it is, right? And then the different types of tubes. And then there's different, what we call methods of administration, which is how to get the tube feeding into the tube. So the number one that Brooke and I deal with is what's called bolus or syringe feeding. And you literally just pour like the insure like product into a, um, it's a big syringe, like a two ounce, 60 milliliter syringe. If it's an adult. Yeah. And not a baby. (laughs) And basically you pour it into the syringe and use it kind of like a funnel is how I describe it and let it slowly gravity into the tubing that goes directly into your stomach or small intestine. Typically you're not bolusing into the small intestine because it's not a large enough reservoir. So your stomach is pretty large and can handle a large volume. Um, your small intestine is not. So typically that's using a pump, like a mechanical pump. And this is what I think my husband was trying to describe yeah. when he said a paintball. What did yeah, he call it? I yeah, yeah. It looks like a little just machine. <laughs> yeah, that hooks up to your tubing. So it's it's a ton of tubing. So it's like a big bag that looks like an IV bag hanging on a pole, going into a pump, pump. 
like a mechanical pump that literally pushes the formula through the tubing into the patient. And that is what they usually use for a J tube or yeah. a GJ tube. Because it's less over a longer period of time. Less people have a GJ tube or a J tube. Right. So most people have a G tube. Right. So we don't like sending people on with pumps with a G tube because it's just more work. It's so much more work. You're hooked up for way longer. Yeah. It's just more of a pain. And when you use the bolus method um, using the syringe, it matches your meal times. So it's like you can take a full carton of formula or two when your spouse is eating breakfast, you know, mm-hmm. at the same time, it kind of matches your everyday life. Whereas, right. So if you're working, yeah. you can like keep a normal work day and like not be connected and to take something. 15 minutes to feed yourself and then yeah. kind of walk out. And then there is something called gravity. That's like a good mix of the two. It's a bag that hangs on an IV pole that has a tubing, but there's no pump pushing it through. It's like a roller clamp to control how quickly it's going down into your stomach or to your small intestine, mostly stomach. Again, pump is usually what you use for small intestine. Um, but, and the gravity bag kind of controls how quickly it moves and just uses the art of gravity. So if you're not able to tolerate the bolus, you might go to a gravity bag. Um, but yeah, those are the main methods. There are some other like really small companies that create things like bully bags that they feed, which is basically just a bag that you squeeze. It's kind of like those applesauce, like little pouches for kids that you fill up with formula and then squeeze it. So there's other ways, but those are like the primary ways to feed through the feeding tube. So Brooke, oh, little Ashton's getting fed right now. Yeah. Um, And then do you want to talk about different types of formula? Yeah. So we deal with a thousand different types of formula. There's a lot out there. Yeah. Most of them. um, So like Nestle and Abbott are the main um, companies, the Mm -hmm. big companies that have all the commercial formulas. So if you're in a hospital, your hospital typically will have Nestle or Abbott. Um, they're pretty much the same type of company. Like, yeah. Nestle makes formula. Abbott makes one that's similar. So they're like apples to apples. Um, and Coke then, and Pepsi is how we describe it to our yeah, patients. Coke like and Pepsi. Different I brands know. of the same thing. They will, like, freak out if they get converted to one. And it's like, dude, these are the same things. They're so similar. Yeah. However, I say that majority of the patients can't tell the difference, but there are a few that will be like, oh, I can't tolerate this for one reason or another. They have like different carbohydrate sources and different protein sources and fat sources, but typically they're very similar. Yeah. So yeah, pretty much back and forth. (laughs) Yeah. And those, most of them are milk based Mm -hmm. and they're lactose free. So if people are like, oh, it has milk in it, but I'm, I'm lactose intolerant. Well, they're lactose free. All formulas on the market are lactose free. Yeah. They're gluten free too. Yep. So if you have celiac, you don't have to worry about it. Um, and these are adult formulas we're yeah. talking about majority. Brooke and I mostly work with adults, but and then there's small like boutique companies that have popped up a lot recently that mm-hmm. make more like whole foods based formula, organic, natural, vegan, like no high fructose corn syrup, like whatever your diet entails, you can pretty much find it in a formula blend or you can make it yourself if or you, you want to blenderize your own. your own diet, which, which is more work. I would I think I would do. Like if I had to tube feed I think I would, or I would, I would use like supplement. real food blends yes. or something. I would supplement with a, like a pre-made one or like bring it on the go. It's kind of like my baby food. Like when I think when I made Aiden's baby, baby food, I made all his baby food. But if we were on the road or like in the car or something, yeah, you I would, would do, like you would do something else or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like a good blend of both. That's what but I would blenderizing your formula. We're not going to get into that. Like everyone's different on their needs it's, and it all matters which formula you're on based on your diagnosis of why you're on tube feeding. So if you're on tube feeding for something 
that's not related to um, how you absorb or digest or something that's like clinically affecting you, then you can be on just like a standard, like no. Right. Big deal. If you just have dysphagia, trouble swallowing, yeah. that's your issue. Then yeah, just a standard form. You just fine. need something to get past your swallowing mechanism. So, but there's thousands of different types of formulas out there. There's ones that are standard, like we said, ones with fiber, ones without fiber, ones that are partially broken down. So they take the proteins and actually start to digest them for you so that your stomach has an easier time digesting them. There's ones that are completely broken down, amino, amino acid based that have done pretty much all the work for you. <laughs> it's less stress on the stomach. Um, there are ones that, like we said, whole food based, there's soy based, there's milk based, there's mm-hmm. vegan ones. Yeah. And then for infants, um, there's some crazy ones out there for like kids and infants. And they, like, there's some really rare disorders yes. and kids like need to be on these specialty, specialty formulas. Like metabolic diseases where yeah. they can't break down glucose or they can't break down certain amino acids. Um, to, and so literally they'll get sick if they have those types of macronutrients or micronutrients they can actually get really sick on them. So they have certain formulas that omit them completely, break them down for them, um, really high protein, low carbohydrate ones, or really high carbohydrate, low protein. Yeah, I mean, the most common ones are going to be like a diabetic formula that's, you know, it's lower in carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. Um, There's renal formula. So if you're on dialysis or you have a chronic kidney disease or end-stage renal disease, there's formulas for that. There's pulmonary formulas, which we don't use very often, right. like COPD. Um, but typically, most people can be on a standard formula. Yeah. And, and we'll, then... We'll kind of tell you, so our patients yeah. are primarily head and neck cancer patients, I would say. Mm-hmm. Followed closely behind is like... Well, Parkinson's. Not <laughs> yeah, like any like um, neurological disease, Parkinson's, ALS, or dementia even. Like, yep. Like people who... Can't they, swallow. Yeah, can't swallow, or even dementia patients who forget to eat and they're mm-hmm. losing weight, um, or they can't finish a meal, they can't stay focused on it. Um, they might have a tube. Gastroparesis, I already explained. We have quite a few of those, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, anything that has two... If you have elevated needs, you might have to go on tube feeding. So even if you have cancer and you're able to swallow, you might have a tube to help. Like you can eat help gain food weight. and tube feed actually at the exact same time. This is like something that a lot of my patients ask, but like you don't have to separate them out. A lot of people do because it's more comfortable, but you can eat while there's a pump pumping food into your stomach. <laughs> like you can do those at the same time. But some people will be on a nighttime feeding with a pump and eat by mouth during the day because their calorie needs are so high because mm-hmm. they're in a hypercaloric state or um, hypermetabolic state, or they like certain disease states like CF, cystic fibrosis, you need way higher calorie because you're absorbing less. Or COPD, you're, the work of breathing on you is really high, so you can't physically eat enough, or mo- some people can't physically eat enough to keep their weight up, mm-hmm. so they'll go on a tube. Well, and Ashton's pediatrician even recently said, mentioned like, we might need to put him on an NG tube for before his heart surgery to get him to gain more weight. Right. So for him, he has a heart condition, so he tires out quickly. Mm-hmm. So he like he can breastfeed maybe once or twice a day, but that's just a lot of work for him. So even bottle feeding for him is a lot of work. Um, so if his weight slows down before surgery or it stops, then we would have to put a tube in right. to supplement. Like I would still try to breastfeed him, and I would still give him a bottle of breast milk, but. You know, he would still need to get breast milk through 
an NG tube. And yep. we actually have a decent amount of patients that have his diagnosis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And sure. it's short term, typically. It's like, oh, they're on a tube it's for a month a, or two. Right. Which is why they have the naso tubes. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of um, Down syndrome or the heart, any a lot of heart defects in little babies because mm-hmm. they do tire out easy. And both that means that it takes longer for them to finish a meal and they're spending more energy to eat than most people. So those both play a role in the fact that they're actually getting less nutrition and need more. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the same with, you know, people with ALS. They may still be able to functionally swallow, like be safe to swallow, but it takes them two hours to move to bring the food to their mouth, to feed themselves, to chew, things take longer. So although they can still technically swallow, they need help getting in more calories during the day because they can only get so much. Um, Yeah, so we already kind of talked about like genetic disorders or metabolic disorders that might keep someone from being able to absorb or digest any foods. Um, They might have to get a tube. Um, I mean, preemies just in general, when they're premature before 37 weeks, a lot of times they need help getting that mm-hmm. nutrition because they haven't formed the suck, swallow, breathe. That's what reflux. Ashton had his for. Yep, yeah, he was preemie. Most, yeah, pretty much any preemie, they're going to get one at some point. Right. And it's 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 not a big deal when they're in the NICU because you just want them fed and you want them gaining weight. And yes. the nurses are placing it. Like, getting an NG tube inpatient is really not a big deal. Right. It's There are some leaving moms that home. place it at home. Like, when yeah, you get being taught outpatient. how to place it. I wouldn't right. want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but there are moms that I know that their kids go to school and then they come home and they place an NG tube for their night feeding. And then they take it out in the morning and they place it every day. And it, you know, we won't go into how to do that on the podcast because we don't recommend doing it without getting yep. certainly trained. <laughs> no, get trained. But um, it becomes second nature and it looks really wow. intense and looks really scary, but it's really, I mean, it's really just an awesome tool that we have to keep people fed. That wasn't around forever, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think of, like, what people used to do if they couldn't eat. And they didn't have, like, these tubes. That's so sad. They would just lose weight like crazy. And I know. I was telling Jesse, I was like, oh, my gosh, what would I do right now? Like, if we were 100 years back because Ashton just yeah. he can't breastfeed enough to gain weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to pump. Like, what did we do before electric <laughs> breast pumps, first of all? Because they... And express. As, yeah. And as all day. much of a pain in the butt is pumping is like having a double electric pump is yes. like 15 minutes. You can get, yes. you can get it done. Um, so I don't know what people did before then. And like, just the fact that I know if he needs an NG tube at short term, like yep. just knowing that that that's there if needed, I don't want to use it, but it, it, it is pretty incredible that yeah. it really does save lives. Totally. And so much more convenient. And it's like, it's so funny. Cause sometimes I'll, I get, <laughs> I never want to have an NG tube or a G-tube for, like, a medical reason. But there's oh. part of me. <laughs> that was a good first, buddy. Grace. Um, there's part of me that's like, gosh, it would be pretty convenient to have an NG-tube for lunch. I hate lunch, all right? Love eating breakfast. Love eating dinner with my family. Lunch, I'm all alone. I love boring. eating. <laughs> I get, like, I just get bored with lunch. So, I, in my head, I'm like, gosh, it should be nice just to, like like bolus and a little smoothie or something and it takes time it's just this whole thing and there's actually a whole movement josh was talking to me last night in the coding industry which is josh's industry of a formula that's specific to coders called soylent that they literally give to coders to drink and it's like a meal replacement so that they don't have to stop coding to eat isn't that ridiculous well there are people that are so busy at work that they just like will drink like a protein shake or something which is not like ideal but we should do a whole episode on meal replacements because i think it'll be interesting 
because it I mean that is a common practice especially when people are super busy um but yeah and then so Brooke and I what we do for people that clinically you know necessary to have a tube is we monitor them um from a distance but we check you know things like their tolerance so they might have nausea vomiting diarrhea constipation bloating discomfort fullness gas you know all these different indicators that they're not tolerating their tube feeding so we might have to change which formula they're on or how they're feeding when they're feeding um, how often they're feeding, all these different um, things that you can change, like the method, like I talked about before. And we also really pay attention to their trending weight. Um, so what's nice about formula, and I said this in another podcast, but it's very mathematical. It's like, here's your height, here's your weight, here's your diagnosis, here's what you've been through, here's what you've been eating, here's your treatment options, here's what you're going through, here's how much we think you need based on these calculations. And then Brooke and I, and the other dietitians we work with, will adjust, you know, based on how they're trending, you know, weight wise, tolerance wise, energy wise, like a lot of these other factors that we take into consideration when we're making our assessment. Um, and we do all that from home, which is really nice, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but we monitor them pretty closely. And then we want to keep kids on like a kid appropriate age, appropriate formulas and amounts. Um, we're not pediatric dietitians for sure, but we have a lot of pediatric patients. I would say 20% of our patients are peds, do you think? Yeah. I guess you're in a different area than me, but I would say 20% of mine are peds. Yeah. But I follow my adults more closely. Because right, because pediatrics the peds usually are followed. Well, they're followed by like multiple people. Yes. So, and they're followed, so, even like looking at Ashton, like he has a cardiologist, he has a hematologist, he has a pediatrician that's very involved. Like yeah. his pediatrician is amazing. Um, super involved with like his oxygen needs and his, you know, it's just like these kids are having so many specialists that for us to jump in without being able to see them in person with Mm -hmm. infants, it is hard because if they're going to a GI clinic where they're weighing them and they have an inpatient dietitian, like they're, they're going to get a better gauge, you know, they're, they're going to, it's easier for them. So we are a little bit more hands-off with babies. Yeah. Which We're bigger is, picture. We catch, yeah. like, bigger issues, big weight trend changes, or, like, hey, this kid's, you know, a year and a half old and still on an infant formula. Maybe we should look at that, and that's where we would reach out to a doctor. Whereas adults, we have a little bit more um, hands-on because they are adults. They're seeing less pa- less doctors, usually by their choice, Yeah, <laughs> but they'll answer our phone call. So, and, you know, adults are adults. They can choose not to answer our phone call or respond or tell us the truth you know there's a lot that goes on at our job like that that we have to just kind of be more big picture about so yeah yeah but there um there's a lot that goes into tube feeding and it's I think it can be a little bit scary for people and it's definitely emotionally draining like when someone finds out that they have a tube the emotional aspect of it I think is really huge like I especially remember that around Thanksgiving and Christmas and like certain and like I'm sure the Jewish holidays that are all based around food like it's really emotional when you can't eat with your family there's a big social component and just wanting to feel normal you know or celebrating how we celebrate birthdays okay there's cake you know like you there are certain things in especially American culture that are just based around food and when you can't eat that food or enjoy that food it's really hard to stay social and enjoy it and I think that's a big thing I always try to be really like um, mindful of with my patients because it's really hard. It's really hard to like go on vacation or I have this one patient who he lives in Europe for three months out of the year 
and not to say that European food is better than our food, but I think it's better than our food. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, he's like, will I be able to eat before I leave for Europe? And I'm just like, oh, I don't know. Like, you have to talk to your speech language pathologist and your doctor. You got to pass your swallow bell. Yeah. 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 There are things called swallow evaluations that will actually, a speech language pathologist will perform or the doctor to make sure that you're not aspirating food that you're eating into your lungs, which can be fatal. So there are very um, serious protocols in place why we have tube feeding it's not just your will isn't strong enough it's you physically can't do it without putting yourself at major risk yep and then some people have tubes um just like a girl i took care of um she just had a tube for hydration and in meds right because she can't swallow meds so she could swallow pureed foods but couldn't do meds so sometimes you i mean it's it's not as common but sometimes you just have a tube for hydration and meds right yeah that's all you you if you get dehydrated really easily and sometimes you find that in like cf patients too you know so there's a lot of diagnosis out th- diagnoses out there that require a tube for nutrition, hydration, or just in case, like if you start losing weight, because it's always safer to place a tube pre, like before you start losing weight because of a diagnosis. So like cancer. a lot of our cancer patients, they place their tube well before they start chemo and radiation, because once you start to lose that weight and that muscle mass, it's harder to do surgery successfully it's harder to heal like so they place it and like i said it heals like a like a ear piercing and then they have it in place for when they do start losing weight or they need to start taking more tube feeding and a lot of our job i would say there's a good portion of my patients who are doing both eating by mouth and supplementing with tube feeding mm-hmm. and going back and forth weaning on weaning off like there's a lot of that mixture and that's true of people who have mild dysphagia who can't take thin liquids so they have to thicken their water who wants to freaking drink thickened water it's gross. so gross it's nasty so you would use it for hydration you would use it for any soups or anything like that if you wanted to um we get a lot of questions about putting things through your tube talk to your dietitian we're not gonna make recommendations but like no yeah water and <laughs> formula, formula or or a blenderized diet that is the consistency of formula or thinner <laughs> right blenderized diets are hard because are you hard. really have to know what you're doing yeah you can't just blend up whatever it's you not want like a smoothie i mean it can be, but it could it be, but you'd have to make it thin you. enough, and you have to, yeah. Blenderized are hard, and that's why we don't really recommend it for most of our patients, yeah. unless you really know what you're doing. Yeah, because it's you work just... with a dietitian one on one for your needs too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're calculating like dietitians, like we're trained to calculate what are your needs. Yeah, what are your protein needs? What are your calorie needs? If you're losing weight, we can adjust it. So it is good to be followed by a dietitian if you have. And a you want to make sure, like a lot of these formulas are at have vitamins added. So as long as you're taking a certain volume amount, you're meeting your vitamin and mineral mm-hmm. requirements. Whereas if you're making your own at home, and you who knows? And sometimes like you're so small that you're not meeting the vitamin and mineral requirements. So then you need to take a vit- multivitamins on top of your tube feeding. So yeah. it's just like those are that's what we that's what we do. I mean, we yeah. just make sure that you're meeting your needs. And then real quick too, Brooke and I are on call, and so a lot of times we have like quote unquote emergency oh. situations that we have to deal with on call. And most of the time, it's like a clogged tube, like working through if you have a clog in your tube, which um, I don't know, probably can't recommend things on here specifically to your issues, but um, talk to a dietitian, talk to a doctor, but we handle those kind of situations, or if they're out of formula, um, then we can tell them what to use over the counter that you can get. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's an interesting job. You learn a lot, but if you ever meet someone or talk to someone with like a tube and you may not even be able to tell, it's usually under their shirt and you can't tell, but it's hard. It's hard work. It's emotional. It's 
um, a lot. And most of the moms out there that have ba- and dads that have babies on tubes, like they probably know more than we do. <laughs> it's a lot yeah. of work and um, it's a labor of love for sure. Sometimes it's easier. I do think that there's part of me that's like, I don't know, it'd be kind of easy just to bowl as food rather than cooking. Mm-hmm. But overall, it's not something you want to do. No, not <laughs> long term. Or have to do, you know. Yeah. So I think that's it. We didn't get any questions about tube feeding. No one knows. They're like, what, what we don't that? even know what that is. Except so now, my husband. now we know. <laughs> now we know what tube feeding is. And uh, yeah, I think too, it's important on this one because it is a little bit more clinical. None of these recommendations are for the everybody. If you have a tube, it's usually because there's an underlying diagnosis that you need to discuss with your doctor um, or your dietitian. Not Don't take any of the recommendations we just made and try to apply it for yourself. And then also, I know we talked a little bit about medications through the tube. That is something that strictly needs to be discussed with a pharmacist because not all medications can go through the tube. Not all medications can be crushed, mixed together. It depends when you take it with formula. So we're not making any claims there. Yep. (laughs) Talk to your doctor. Talk to your doctor. All right. But yeah, we hope you learned something today. Yeah, it was interesting. And it's not a high population of the, you know, or a high percent of the population, but, you know, there's definitely a significant amount of people out there with it. So Mm -hmm. it's good to know. And it might be one of your family members one day. And now you can be a little bit less scared about when it comes because really it's just a substitute for eating. Yeah, my uncle had a tube before he passed away from, he had lung and throat cancer. So from the radiation he had it. And so my aunt learned a lot about it. Right. Yeah, you do, when you have to do it in person, and my patients are always so scared. They're like, I'm not doing this right. It has to be sterile. It has to blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's literally just a bypassing of your swallowing. Yeah, like your gut is a pretty sterile environment. Yeah. You're fine. Or like in what what we mean by that is you don't need sterilized equipment to go yeah. with your gut. Think about your silverware. That's not sterile. Yeah. <laughs> like you're drinking tap, tap water. is fine. Yeah. As exactly. long as you can drink it, it's fine. Like, yep. Your gut will take care yeah. of it, you know. And if you're immunocompromised, you have to be like a little bit careful. Definitely hand washing. Yeah. And, and babies. Important. Yeah. Infants are different than totally. adults. Yeah. But it's not, it's just the same if you were preparing a bottle for a baby. You still right. need to wash your hands. You yes. need to be careful. It's not any more or less strict you know as far as that goes most of my patients will ask if i need like distilled water or like special and it's like no nope, whatever for an infant drink. you do if you're making formula yeah not a, not an adult so, so yeah right, we guys. hope you learned something thanks for tuning in we'll see you next week next tuesday see you next week let us know if you have any questions email us at hello at dietrightpodcast.com or go to our instagram and leave a comment or dm us um our handle is at diet.riot.podcast We'd love to hear from you. I'd love to do a Q&A question or question and answer. Ask me anything, whatever episode soon. That'd be fun. Um, and please share with your friends. Let them know about our awesome podcast. We'd love to grow and get a bigger community here and chat more about nutrition with you guys. Thanks yeah. so much. Bye. Bye. Hold on. Rafa, what the heck? Hush your face.